is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. In this part two with Andrea Burns, we talk about directing and ways of being, and she gives some fantastic takeaways that all of us can apply to our everyday life and, you know, bring to work. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Andrea Burns. Keep on keeping on. This morning, I think it was, that Broadway's reopening now on September 2nd with Hadestown, and we're getting very close to this change of of, well, first of all, Broadway coming back after being closed for, what, almost 500 days? Some astronomical number. But what are your views on what the future of theater could or should look like? I know you answered this partly already, but I want to just touch on, because I had this great conversation with Michael Bobbitt, uh, must have been a couple months ago, and he talked about all of the anti-racism work that he's doing from subscribers, ticket pricing, I mean, stuff... I'm ashamed to say I didn't even really know. I mean, it makes me feel, you know, bad, but also so enlightened. And there's so much change and growth happening, hopefully change for all of us. I I would like to speak to one sentence in that whole thing that you said, that so much of what you're saying is what is uh, proactive and useful and coming out of this. But the one thing you said, one sentence you said, and, and it made me feel bad that you didn't know X, Y, Z. And I think that's a huge piece of this that we have to look at and dismantle is the shame regarding all of this, because we can't really move forward if we don't know everyone's going to um, have a little grace about this. We are emerging into a new era. So I'm not saying, please, it, you know, in the face of adversity and injustice, of course things have to change. It's our responsibility to seek change, right? Mm -hmm. But you know, you have to keep a little room for gratitude to keep that determination from building into blind rage, right? Yeah. And 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 we're living in a cancel culture um, that, you know, I I just wonder at the end of the day um, how that's going to serve us. You know, um, we have to rebuild or uh, or reject the behavior, but not the people. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, a little bit of grace invites empathy into um, watching human beings make mistakes and Amen. same thing. And, and by the way, you're going to make mistakes too, right? Mm -hmm. And and nobody wants to make a mistake because they're afraid of feeling bad. And they're, you know, these are big conversations. We're taking on things that have not been taken on with this kind of amplification before in the workplace in American history. So guess what? It's going to be hard. You can't teach a four-year-old to ice skate and expect them to not make mistakes. And yeah, not fall down. <laughs> and not fall down, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and, and so... I, I, that's just something, you know, I want to, I hope goes into when we're talking about what is the future. I don't even want to say what it should be. I don't know what it should be. I, I just want to know, and I will encourage and invite everyone to be as active a listener as they are a speaker and be open to grace when people say the wrong thing so that they can have conversations about it. You know, if you can't have a difficult conversation, if you're not willing to have a difficult conversation, mm -hmm. then um, that's really the definition of privilege, isn't it? 
you don't want to be made to feel uncomfortable at all. Right. Right. We have to be willing to be uncomfortable, but also the, the, the fragility that is, you know, kind of a byproduct of this just like assumes no forgiveness that there won't be forgiveness and this is what i'm this is the type sort of stuff i'm i'm thinking about and and ultimately you know you can say like i represent you know what i'm i'm a mother and a wife and a woman and i'm latina and i'm cisgender and whatever i'm a human being first and I'm interested in collaborating with other human beings to make the world a more connected and empathic place to live in and make our art in and raise our children in. And um, that's that's going to be the challenge. And I under I, I completely, you know, I understand the value of naming bad behavior, but but ultimately are you willing to get into this on the ground and have the hard conversations, ask what the intention is of the bad behavior? What are they willing to do next? And also there's so much talk about, you know, what do we do about the problem when really access and opportunity is the issue and always has been when we're talking about, you know, BIPOC community, like invite people to the table. And let's move forward from there. Yeah. So articulate, as always. I really appreciate I really appreciate you, you know, deep diving on this with me. Um, specifically looking towards the future, what are you what are you what I'm just so curious, what are what are the daydreams of what could be? What are you planning towards? What are you looking towards? Does anything come to mind? For yourself, for the world, you know, all of it. I'm looking towards a more inclusive a world in which to make art and collaborate with others. I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about a culture where everybody in the room is walking on eggshells uh, because we are as artists where people, especially as actors, uh, uh, theater, live theater actors, I always say like we jump out of airplanes for a living, you know, we go out on that, you know, we, we jump out of the plane on that first preview, not knowing whether the audience is going to hate what we did or love what we did. And we go out there together and, um, it's a, it's a thrill and it's a bond. And this is why, you know, you bond so much with the casts that, that where the audience loves you and you bond even more with the cast where the audience hates you. Like, you know, this is what we do. So I, I, that's the best part to me is that faith and that leap and that holding on to each other as we jump. And so we're going to have to get through this period of being able to breathe and trust each other in the rooms. Um, and I, you know, way before last summer, I mean, I, 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 I hope I have always tried to advocate for voices in the room that were not being heard or acknowledged. And, um, so I, I, I believe it can be done um, in a way that doesn't make everybody um, walk on eggshells or feel like they are on the firing squad. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. I understand. I understand. And 
okay. in front of the firing squad, I should say. Yeah, no, I know it. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And I, I, I wanted, I wanted, to, I want to turn gears real quick, and yeah. I want to talk about because I really want to capture this in this conversation. I, I know it's almost a one eighty, but I appreciate your time on the random show here, directing. I want to talk <laughs> so about. Good. I want to oh. talk about directing. I really want to touch on it. I want to touch on what, for instance, you receive a script. What are the first things you do? How do you see it? What are your decisions? Does it depend on whether it's a play or a musical? How are you, what are you, what are your visions? How do you begin the process? If we could just touch on this, I want to, I'm curious. Well, for all of my time in this business, I am a young director. So this is, um, this is a, a, a beginning time for me, uh, which actually I think is fantastic. You know, beginner's mind is always very useful. Sometimes we get really set in our ways. However, as from 30 years of being an actor in, in plays and, and so much development of new work, um, this is why I'm interested in doing it. Um, to tell you that I have a set list of a checklist on the first day uh, would be untrue, but I, Ultimately, look, what are we trying to do? What story am I trying to tell? Whose point of view is here? How do the characters change? What service do we do for the audience with the message of this play? You know, I have always maintained as well as, as so as my husband that, that theater is a service industry. We are there to not only serve the words of the composer, the playwright, but also to hold space for those that are experiencing something similar to what the character is that don't have anywhere to put their feelings or don't have the distance to be able to, to evaluate their situations. And in particular, incredibly um, difficult experiences. I had a wonderful, um, very eye-opening time when I uh, played Diana in Next to Normal, mm -hmm. we would do these talkbacks and there was a family in the audience who said, uh, a, a father and a daughter who said, you know, we actually have a uh, bipolar mom at home. And we were very affected by this piece. And my first instinct was like, oh no, I hope this wasn't just so hard to watch. Mm -hmm. And they said it was so good to watch because we could walk we could see it with some perspective because we weren't watching our own story you know we're watching it wasn't our family we were watching we we're watching another family go through it and it became very clear to me then that right it's my responsibility to hold your pain mm -hmm. for you right. and struggle your struggle and try to rise and win or die trying for the next two and a half hours so that you can watch uh, free of your own burdens and, and be uh, have some clarity, have some ease in, um, in looking at your own human experience. So as a director, I want to know, like, what, what am I serving with this piece? What, who's going to be helped by this piece? What kind of person might be the, in the audience where this story might change their life for a certain way? Um, yeah. And also, you know, I, I recently directed a production of Brigadoon, which is an old classic. And it's a movie musical that I loved when I was a little girl. So I love the learner and low score. And I, I loved the theme of it, which is really about faith versus logic, um, which speaks very much to my heart. 
And, you know, it's, it's a script from the late 1930s. So there's some misogynistic language in it. There's some, there's some things that had to be cleaned up, moved, you know, replaced. Right, right. Um, but I'm not, but it's such a beautiful story. Again, I'm not a big proponent of let's just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, oh, it was written for a different time. It's offensive. Let's never do it again. They're incredibly redeeming and beautiful things um, and beautiful expressions of art in it that are worth the re-examination, the translation. And growing up in a bicultural household, um, my my mom came comes from Venezuela. My dad, Jew, Jewish family from Brooklyn, and, and like Borschfeld Catskills relatives. Like I, I've been a translator my whole life, so I think that's why. Also, I feel at ease in navigating conversations between two sides. I've often been an equity deputy. I've often been sort of a um, arbit arbiter yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, backstage at work. And, and, um, and that would be the role that I would also, that I, that always comes into play as a director too. How can I bridge the, the world of the people who wrote this in the golden age which also was a differently informed age and particularly with students in 2021 like how do i enroll them in the magic of something that seems so far away from them and um that's a really fun and exciting and inspiring task to take on and i love to do it i love that this conversation is so very sweet <laughs> and so short <laughs> but i want to talk about ways of being do you consciously yeah. think about your ways of being when it comes to directing? As a matter of fact, um, Clay, you were a student of mine once, so you know that I would bring in like ways of being into the classroom and, and you know, have students take on different words to think about who they would be um, in a rehearsal room. And so I put, I put the words in a box and I give them out to the cast members every day. And I say, okay, here's, you know, if you got unflappable, that's your word today right? That's your word today. If you got bold, that's your word today. How is it going to inform who you are, not only in the text, but in the room as a collaborator? Um, what's going to, what kind of contribution are you going to give to this arena? And they are all, I guess they're, they're all ways of being that work because they're all stemmed in generosity ultimately, because you need generosity to play a team sport. And I can't think of a team, more of a team sport than theater. I mean, the way you just said it, of course, it's like if, if we was a way of being instead of I, that would naturally be what you're, of course, everyone's participating yes. in that. I, I love takeaways. So I'm curious for anyone listening, is there a technique, and you might've just answered this question. I don't know if there's anything else to it, but is there a technique or an exercise that people could or should do in terms of ways of being and being very you know, cognizant of, of who they are and what energy they're bringing into a room. Listen more, talk less. And this comes from, look, I'm a great talker. You know, you and I could sit here for three hours and we have, Yes. right? Yes. Um, but, and, and I only offer that is like, you know, I'm teaching what I most need to learn too. But especially in a time where we are, everything is so inflammatory um, we are all, uh, I want to say this in a way that honors everyone's trauma. And I know that trauma is, 
is real and I have battled my own demons with that. And so, of course, you want to honor and take care of yourself. But I also see a prevalent attitude of uh, people walking in the room sort of um, waiting to be triggered. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Who's going to trigger me now? Right. Which means even if you're not talking out loud, you're talking more than listening. Right. You're letting your your fearful brain, your lizard brain decide who you are in the room and decide ultimately what the room's energy is going to be. Right. Because that's who you are in the room. So. And I also think there's a lot to be said for rising above, um, obviously, you know, not in you know, this is depends on on conditions, but rising above adversity. Um, certainly as a theater performer, we, we've all gone, you know, we've all heard the show must go on and, and we've all got a, you know, a myriad of stories of moments where the show had to go on. And again, you had to go on not just because, you know, they don't cancel Broadway before COVID, but also Again, if you think about it in the act of service, it gives meaning to what you do. And so I use the example of, I was in a production of The Full Monty in Chicago on in September of 2001. And obviously on the 11th, everything was canceled. But on the matinee of September 12th, 2001, I had to perform a comedy on a national tour. Um, hugely comedic. Um, very contemporary until then it became a dated piece overnight mm. and um some people in the company had not heard from loved ones yet it was a very delicate very shaky scary time um terence mcnally who wrote the book gathered with us right before the curtain and said you are going on not because this show is important but because you are giving the people in this audience three hours away from their televisions and watching that plane crash into the building. So I don't care if the show is good, funny, whatever, just know, just show up and know you are holding a space where they can be away from those images for the next two and a half hours. And that was very powerful and ultimately felt very patriotic mm -hmm. to me. We all serve in the ways that we can and, um, and that's not to say it wasn't incredibly difficult. And I had a really funny part. And when people were laughing at things that I did, I hated it <laughs> in a way, you know, it was hard. Mm -hmm. I was so sad. I couldn't believe people could laugh on September 12th, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they needed to laugh on September 12th. They needed that. And um, that was my act of service for the, it's the only one I could do. And, right. and that's what I did. So, but I, I think about that and I go, wow, I was able to do that. I, I would never have imagined that that was something I would be able to do. And I did it. And it's part of what uh, makes me strong and builds my and builds character. And so I want I want young people, I want students to know they can do it. Don't give up, but don't be afraid of being triggered before you know how, exactly how strong you are. Hmm. Don't underestimate yourself. Yeah. Anyway, this conversation so special. I appreciate you taking this time with me. It's very valuable, as we all know, and I really appreciate it. I really do. Final question. You may recognize yeah. it. Metaphorically speaking, if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? 
have a little faith. Yeah. Because honestly, there's always a silver lining. There's always a little bit of goodness in whatever you're going through. So, and ha have a little, and, and, you know, my grandmother used to say, my Jewish grandmother, this too shall pass. Have a little faith. You have no idea how you're going to come out of the dark, but, but you will. Andrea Burns, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to share here with us today before we wrap it up? Um, no, I just, uh, yeah, I'm so grateful to be here. And, um, and I, I just feel so lucky to get to do what I do. I feel so luckily, lucky to be uh, a live theater artist. And um, I have no idea what it's going to be, but I, I have a little faith and, um, and I'm not afraid to mistake, make some mistakes along the way because mistakes are proof that you're trying. And, um, you know, I, I really hope that everybody can adopt that so that we can all be human together moving forward and share in the experience. I, you yeah, know, your acts of service are so <laughs> wide and great. I can only imagine Aww. what all of these students that you've taught over the past year will, you know, come out thinking the way I did after spending us four weeks with you, six weeks with you. I mean, Aww. it was quick. Thank so you. thank you for being a teacher and educator and teaching, you know, in this 40 minute conversation. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Andrea Burns. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>